0: need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavour, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China, then this is your show, China Business Cast. All right, everybody, welcome to China Business Cast, episode 55. Woo woo, 55. Woo woo. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as always, this is... Mike Michelini and Shlomo. How are you doing, Shlomo?
1: I'm great. Awesome. I'm now in Chiang Mai.
0: Chiang Mai is place still on my list. Can you believe it? I haven't been there. How How is it Have over there? Been? I've, I've been uh, to Bangkok and other parts of Thailand, but never Chiang Mai.
1: So last episode, I said that we're um, getting ready to fly over here for two and a half months. So we're Almost settle in. Uh, we're in an apartment. Uh, went to a local meetup. Met some people here. Um, my previous Chiang Mai experience is just one day two years ago, flying back from Burma from Myanmar. So uh, not so much. Um, so I'm getting to know the local community, the so-called digital nomads. Um, it's been fun, um, and now we're. <laughs> now we're trying to find a nursery for our baby and uh or maybe a nanny or something here so that's the next challenge here
0: yeah, nice keep me posted and i can convince my my uh my family to come down for a while
1: <laughs> you should come i'm here till mid-march
0: <laughs> oh nice all right that's a long time we could do yes. the, we could do the intro or recording together that'd be cool for the show all right and yes. uh chinese new year sure. chinese new year is coming almost here um getting stretched everybody goes crazy before Chinese New Year trying to jam in as much work as possible so it's been intense for me this week and uh, I can't wait I told you before recording I'm unplugging I'm going to try digital detox next week I don't think I've ever-
1: got to say something about this go ahead Go ahead. you're saying you're saying now that you're unplugging, but you've been saying that you're going to unplug for the past couple of weeks so you kind of getting ready for, for, for that. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm not going to bother you. We're not going to talk. Right. I'll
0: try in a few <laughs> friends have been supportive and, uh, you know, basically my wife is got a friend that has a guest house somewhere in the province on Guangdong somewhere, uh, a couple hours nice. by car and, uh, suppose there's no internet connection and, uh, it's near a beach, but I don't know how nice it's a little bit cold, but, uh, just gonna try to. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I might. I might. I might not. I'll try my best. But some of my friends says, "Let let Wendy hold my uh, computer and uh, <laughs> my devices, all my and my hotspot and everything." So we'll see. We'll see if it works.
1: What do you need more, air or internet?
0: I think. I think internet. <laughs> I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I think a lot of us are. You know, these notifications and chats and all this stuff. It's crazy. But yes. Anyway, let's, enough of that. I'll, I'll keep everybody posted on if I survive or not next time. And uh, How about this <laughs> well, week's show?
1: If, well, if you're not going to show for the next episode, so that you know we didn't survive.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm in the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, our guest this time is uh, Bruno, Bruno Ben Said. He was actually on our show before, and that was our most listened episode ever. So we decided to bring him again. Um, he's an expert in uh, mergers and acquisitions and on in general investment in China region. Um, and the reason we brought him is because there were changes in Chinese outbound investments, regulations, um, or at least this is what people are speaking about. And we wanted to get some clarification from him of what exactly that is. So it was very important to bring him. Um and I want to make a couple of uh, announcements for us. Um, first of all, guys, give us reviews. We need more of those reviews. We need more listeners finding us, and that helps them uh, finding finding our podcast. Um, so please do that. Um, also, we get more and more people joining our WeChat group. So you can uh, either add my username, uh, which is Shlomo, S-H-L-O-M-O-F, Uh, Or Mike, what's your your username?
0: My my last name, Michelini. M-I-C-H-E-L-I-N-I.
1: Yeah, so add either of us and we'll add you to the uh, China Business Cast WeChat group. Um, There are discussions around the episodes and the topics and people asking questions there. And obviously we announce about new episodes right there so you know when we're up. And the last thing is the Mastermind group that we have. We have one for global from it, from asia which is mike's brand and my brand which is startup noodle both are on china slash mastermind as well so as uh,
0: and enter china as well
1: oh and enter china as well right of course forgot that
0: so many Thanks. so many amazing amazing things <laughs> here things happening all right and now let's tune in i
1: this is a good one with bruno so yeah let's dive in So hello everybody and welcome to another China Business Cast. Uh, today we have a guest that actually was already on our show about a week ago. We have got uh, Bruno Ben Said. Hello, Bruno.
0: Hi Shlomo. Hi, Michael. Hi everybody.
1: What's up? How you a doing? A year
0: ago, Shlomo. <laughs> a year ago,
1: buddy. <laughs> I'm good. So we we already introd, intro'd uh, Bruno on our uh, on Mike's and myself intro, um, but I want to give a chance to, for Bruno to kind of refreshing what. He's been doing it the past year for our listeners, or the ones that didn't even uh, listen to the previous episode, which was about a year ago.
2: Sure. Um, so the past year um, has been pretty rich in um, in working on fundraising for uh, uh, different mature um, startups, uh, companies in the tech industry, uh, mainly from Europe, and seeking investment. Either um, in Asia or in Europe, so it's been pretty busy. Um, also taking um, investment fund GPS from Europe to China, trying to educate them uh, at their request on uh, the local ecosystem, which was you know extremely interesting because even for me who has been in this industry for a long time, I can see changes every day. So I need to refresh uh, and uh, and get actual and get uh, uh, new. Um, New stuff every day in order to be to be relevant. So that was very useful as well. So that's on the you know uh, on the uh, on the funding side. And uh, on the personal investment side, uh, I've been uh, blessed with um, you know the growth of our group, Angel Vest, mm-hmm. which is a, a kind of a hobby for me. Um, the group is um, is doing well uh, with uh, over hundred members uh, getting more structured and uh, about 40 investments in portfolio now which is um, not all of them are uh, you know doing uh, well but uh, a lot of them are doing uh, satisfactorily well and some of them are doing very well um, but the the handling of the relationship with all the startups is something that uh, is taking uh, is taking us a lot of time in addition to uh, reviewing New Deal flow and uh, I'm glad also to say that um, the um, the cooperation with uh, SOS ventures uh, our friends um, you know operating chat accelerator has been very good and um, has been a good synergy with uh, what Angelvest is doing, uh, so um, it's been uh, it's been a good year uh, to that extent. So uh, this is what I've been up to.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, SOS just raised right a third third round of funding. I just been seeing it everywhere. Uh, so really, it, it's stays...
2: it's it, it's actually uh, not the third round. It's actually the fund three. If I
0: oh fund I... three, sorry. Yeah, thanks for uh, correcting me
2: and fund three and uh, this is the first uh fund that was actually raised outside of the uh, i would say the friends and family of sosv uh more with um, institutional investors um from the tech industry uh so that's i mean william and the others will be able to talk you know, more about this but uh, it's a good validation on um sosv becoming ma- more uh, mainstream uh, it's already a, a, a huge investor in terms of number of deals, um, but it was um, it was not as well known as 500 and uh, other uh, early stage investors, and the fact that they're raising an uh, uh, officially their third fund uh, through uh, you know uh, institutional investors proves uh, that they have been recognized as a um, as a strong player uh, by by the industry, which which I'm very glad.
0: Very cool. Very cool. All right, so yeah, like like Shlomo said, this is your second second episode. We got really great feedback from your your first show on on the China business cast. So today we're talking about the Chinese policies towards outbound investment. It uh, yep. seems like I guess basically the trend is is getting more restrictive. Is that true or, or what what's exactly what's exactly happening?
2: I think this is interesting because um, if you ask a lawyer. And uh, I actually work with the lawyer day by day. Uh, the regulations have not changed, uh, and um, I was talking to my partner this morning, uh, and he was confirming this. Basically, all the uh, checks and balances are the same, um, and um, you already have you know different ministries uh, and you know i'm going to just drop names like ndrc mofcom SASAC, and safe and i encourage the readers to you know uh, develop these acronyms and uh, and look you know what they're you know doing individually um but basically all these ministries that are in charge of uh, vetting the transactions sometimes for uh, state of enterprises sometimes for all types of uh, companies uh, SAFE um, is, uh, is, is looking at the uh, exchange and, uh, and, and foreign currency uh, controls and so on. So they already have rules in place with, you know, very clear thresholds. Um, the difference is that I think what is being done at the moment is some local entities, for example, for MOFCOM, uh, or working with uh, you know, People's Bank of China on, on a local basis to experiment, experiment. This is not the law, new law. It's just, ex- in my opinion, this is more about experimentation and covering your back, more kind of uh, attitude um, in order to restrict or flag more transactions, in order to not being accused of... Um, uh favoring or encouraging capital outflow so to show goods to you know the uh, central central government central ministry uh and uh, to uh you know to to show that you know they're taking initiatives on the local level uh so you see restrictions you know I was uh I was reading this morning about uh, you know uh, PBOC and Mofcom uh, uh, from uh, from Shanghai, um, you know Shanghai Municipal Government, um, just uh, you know putting some some restrictions on uh, uh, you know what what you do you know if you uh, if you have a a payment overseas payment of uh, over five million for example then you have to flag it and then submit it to to Beijing. This this is for um, foreign exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see a lot of these initiatives. Coming in, which are an annoyance, obviously for uh, local entrepreneurs. But um, the it, there is nothing nothing official, you know, uh, uh, written uh, in the law. There are going to be, however, uh, from uh, July, uh, some restriction, increased restriction from uh, People's Bank of China for uh, RMB outflow and uh, and um, withdrawals. Uh, that are going to be implemented. But this is going to be in July. So we are in January now, uh, and uh, these rules are not implemented yet. So what you see now is a lot of, uh, to summarize, a lot of small experimentation, annoyances from your local bank uh, and local institutions just to make sure that uh, a lot of transactions are being flagged. But in essence, uh, there's Mm -hmm. no law that is new. And uh, that's going to be changes. It's going to change at the moment. You know, lawyers that I, are, I'm talking to uh, cannot produce any document uh, stating that this is this is how different this is now, now.
1: And and what's the reason for for the restrictions? Is this because of the R&B dropping or that there were too many yeah, large drop, deals I mean, and that's too dangerous uh, for the stopping,
2: government? Um, uh, first of all, there's a lot, lot of transactions, outbound investment, especially the larger transactions. Uh, again, we're talking about the large transactions that are and they are very troublesome for uh, the Chinese government for for, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, first of all, you need to buy uh, foreign currency, so your local, you know, uh, your foreign currency reserves are going down. Um, you, in a lot of these companies, these transactions, a lot of these transactions, some of them are actually dubious or in areas that are not related to the industry where the company is from. Or that are dubious for other reasons because um, you know it's not a sound uh, it's not a sound investment. And why is the central government worried about that? It's not obviously not only because you have RMB uh, being converted into foreign currency and uh, uh, and you have uh, forex issues. It's and, and trade uh, trade ban- uh, and, and trade issues. It's it's more also for uh, money laundering uh, control mm-hmm. because a lot of uh, you know what you do when you do a transaction overseas very often it has been proven or observed that um, you're not completely sure about where the money is going to pay which intermediary and uh, to do what um, especially when you have very large transactions where it's difficult to actually track uh, everything that is being that is being done because the money is usually being disbursed from different accounts mm-hmm. uh, and and so uh, you, you can you can imagine that the central government is worried that uh, people are actually from China or uh, taking the money and, uh, and uh, taking it outside uh, for a lot of different reasons personal reasons and using official transactions or buying a company uh, as an excuse to, to actually take um, uh, take currency out of the um, out of the country so you know the, the, um, the nature of the transaction the size of the transactions is the main explanation that I have. Uh, for why the central government is being nervous, in addition to this whole, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, foreign, you know, kind of foreign currency and uh, RMB, uh, weakening issues that we've seen in the past few months. So, uh, mm-hmm. but when you read, you know, MoFCOM and uh, and other ministries uh, press releases, it's they always say that they will continue encouraging outbound investment uh while in the in the same time they will increase the controls increase the um uh the monitoring of the these transactions but you have not seen yet uh a new clear rule from central government saying this is what is going to change so um you know that this is this is uh, th- this is my read on the uh, on the whole story
0: okay interesting so it kind of leads into my our next question which is uh entrepreneurs and I'm not sure if you would say there's a difference between local Chinese entrepreneurs versus foreign entrepreneurs in this case if there is maybe let us know but is is there anything in the crystal ball of yours or or generally for should they be concerned or is this a risk that they should you know put in their uh, forecasts or
2: um well, I think you have, there's two side, a few sides to the, to the same question. So you talk about entrepreneurs. Uh, the, the, the restriction that we're seeing or the scrutiny is in uh, withdrawals, obviously, uh, but most importantly, cross-border investment. If you're a local entrepreneur, uh, well, we can talk about foreign entrepreneur, but if you're a local entrepreneur and you're raising money locally, there's no restriction. Uh, there's tons of RMB in the country, and entrepreneurship, venture capital, and, uh, uh, and and all that ecosystem is still being heavily, heavily promoted. So I don't see an issue. Uh, where I see an issue, though, is you know when you start when local companies are venturing overseas, and they need to you know change currency, they need to use uh, they need to use foreign currency, and they they want to do uh, they want to do investment or just pay their employees that are in a foreign off in their overseas office, and this is this is annoying for them to have to be flagged uh, or to have to go through a central government approval. Whereas in the past they would have to, uh, they wouldn't have to do it. They would just, um, you know, their local bank uh, would just um, act on behalf of SAFE, which is the uh, the, the foreign exchange. Uh, uh you know control body uh to uh to vet the uh the exchange of currency from RMB to maybe USD um also very few startups that i know of have a lot of US dollars uh in the country uh that they want to take overseas usually you know when they have USD in the country they use it they change it to to use uh, to use here so uh you know they uh, some of them, like large companies, they have foreign currencies overseas already that they use for for transactions, or they use a bank that is that are going to use uh, that are going to help them to conduct a transaction. But um, you know, I don't think that you know, although there is you know a lot of noise around um, and a lot of worries uh, from entrepreneurs conducting transactions, the restrictions is not going to be. Um, I would say as bad as we think. Uh, th- again, the culprit and the target of the central government is large transactions, money laundering, and transactions mm-hmm. above several tens and hundreds of millions of USD in value. Mm-hmm. So, for local entrepreneurs conducting local business, there's going to be you know more flags. There's no reason why it should be restricted. As, as far as the law is concerned, now again, you have zealous zealous bankers that are worried or zealous kind of uh, local MOFCOM government bodies that say, well, I don't know you very well. Uh, maybe we should flag that transaction and make you wait a little bit. So this is going to be very annoying. But technically speaking, uh, this is not expected by uh, central government uh, uh you know officially so um uh, mm-hmm. i and you know i have hard time to really uh in the crystal ball what is going to be happening but local entrepreneurs should not be worried in my opinion
1: bruno um so for so you're saying that the problem is with the largest the very very large transactions yeah. um and uh, the, used... yes
2: we were targeting them that's that's these guys who are targeted i see
1: um but is there a a better way to now structuring your company just like used to be vie structure with hong kong um i don't know a few years ago a couple of years ago which you had to do if you wanted to move money out of the country is there now something you can do or there's really nothing and you're 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 at the hands of the government for now well first of all um
2: the, and the we're not, we're not st-
1: encouraging money laundering, obviously.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I know you're on, you're and even if, if you were, you wouldn't say it online. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, this is not a topic, no, no, no worries. Um, so first of all, the VIE structure has, um, you know, it's not really in, um, in fashion anymore. Yeah. So a lot of transactions at the moment with VIE VA vehicles, uh, variable um, interest entities, uh, for for our readers and uh, and listeners, um, is is not something that is encouraged. And basically, for people who don't know, you know, uh, a BVI or a Cayman or uh, other type of uh, offshore uh, company, uh, basically, um, you know, setting up different uh, strings of vehicles and uh, uh, and controlling indirectly a local entity. Uh, so this Byzantine kind of uh, complex. Uh, Uh, complex financial structures, legal structures, sorry, uh, are not very something that people are going to put forward, uh, especially as as far as VCs are concerned. Um, So you will see a lot more, uh, especially for local companies, uh, a lot more local transactions in RMB uh, because most of the VCs, they hedge, they have, you know, several funds and they have funds in RMB, funds in USD. So what they would do, um, these company, these, uh, these venture capital companies is, are uh, venture capitalists, is if there is, uh, uh, you know, a company that requires really uh, USD and there need, they, they, they needs to be something overseas, then eventually you would use a VIE. But again, the VIE is also to go around regulation around media and ICP licenses operating a local business. But in a lot of businesses, you do not have these restrictions. Especially if you invest in a hard in a, in a hardware company, if you invest in, in a manufacturing company, you don't need to have a VIE. You can you can directly have the ownership of a local entity uh, by a you know a string of different shareholders. Uh, you can have a JV model um, by which you know you are legally owning the company or the different shareholders from China and from outside of China that do not need to have a VIE structure. So, again, you're talking about a lot of Internet companies that are media focused or e-commerce, but a lot of other companies that have no connection you know, with the Internet or uh, uh, these are very restricted from a regulation perspective then do not need a VIE structure. So uh, and, and anyway, this is not a preferred way of doing things at the, at the moment from what we see.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. So, I know on our our previous uh, interview, which I recommend listeners didn't listen here to listen to it for sure. We'll link it in the show notes. We were talking about kind of like the differences or challenges of raising money as a as a foreign Western or non-local company. So, yeah. do you think these restrictions of cross-border investments getting more mm, scrutinized are going to make it even more difficult? Or shifting the decision thought process for these investors and, overall. And,
2: and I think that goes back to your previous question, which I think I didn't completely answer. Um, if you're, for example, a foreign entrepreneur in China, is that what we could be talking about right now? Yeah. Okay, so you're a foreign entrepreneur you, in you, China.
1: You said that would not change. I mean, because there is money. There is money at the, in in China for that. We're talking about the overseas the overseas investments because you, you said that on the local investment there would be no change because there, there are no restrictions there.
2: Uh, I mean, again, there are experimentations from local banks and you know local government to flag and restrict transactions, but it's not official.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All I'm saying is, you're seeing initiatives from people that are scared, I'm talking about bankers, I'm talking about government officials that do not want to be caught or accused of favoring money laundering and capital flight. So, which is why it's annoying because you can see that some some of these people are going to put restrictions on you, whereas it's not it's not official. So you you can that's why you use a lawyer to say well, uh, eventually what you're doing at local level is not is not legal. So it, it ends up being it ends up being negotiated at, you know, between the company, the lawyer, and local government bodies so that a transaction can be uh, executed in terms of uh, withdrawing money, investment locally, or investment overseas, okay? Especially if that involves foreign currency from, that is, being taken from China to overseas or converting RMB to, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to remain, uh, sorry, RMB to, uh, to a foreign currency. So what Michael is referring to, well, there's two things. There's the foreign entrepreneur in China that is investing his money uh, into a local business. So because of all these, you know, small annoyances that we see at the moment, yes, it is complicated to, you know, uh, you know, to, to transfer money from one place to the other. So it's going to be mm-hmm. life is going to be made more difficult uh, in general. Because uh, because of what we have explained, but although officially it's there's you know the difference is not significant, especially now and before uh, July 1st, where uh, you know uh, the, the restrictions have not been completely implemented. Um,
1: we'll but bring you again. will bring you again to the show after July, then.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, actually, yeah, we could do it in in August and say, well, you know, what have what has changed and uh, what has not. Uh-huh. Uh, but yes, there's going to be uh, there's going to be tightening on. Uh, Reporting the um, you know uh, reporting the transactions again people are not going to block but they're going to flag these transactions and uh, the threshold instead of being uh, two hundred thousand RMB is going to be fifty thousand RMB for deposit withdrawals and and so on and, and uh, instead of uh, you know being maybe two hundred thousand is going to be less etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah it's going to be more difficult but you know I, I think for if you're if you want to invest overseas, so, uh, and imagine an investment fund or a company that wants to invest into an Israeli company, for example, or a Mm -hmm. a U.S. company, how do they do it? And I guess this is where alluding to in his question is, I'm a foreign entrepreneur, I may or may not be in China, how do I receive, or is it gonna be more difficult for me to receive money uh, from from a Chinese entity? So if this is, or related to a uh, state, I think, it's going to be more difficult, and you're going to see, uh, you're going to see headaches, you know, above, you know, and a few million USD. If this is a private company, it's going to be, uh, in my opinion, not so different. If they have put in place um, their infrastructure so that they have already uh, a foreign, uh, foreign bank account. And that account is being filled with, you know, USD or other currency, and they, if they have uh, the support of uh, Chinese banks or other banks. So if they have done all this effort before, then uh, and if, again, this is a private company, and if it's in a field that is, you know, uh, uh, consistent with the initial business from this investor or that makes sense, I don't see, uh, I, I don't see huge, huge headaches. The headaches again. Or uh, more for uh, uh, state-owned enterprises uh, and everything that is, uh, you know, under the scrutiny of uh, of a local administration.
1: Okay. So, um, for overseas entrepreneurs and local entrepreneurs, what would be the best places for looking for Chinese funding these days? Assuming there was restriction.
2: When you say places, you mean? You mean like Shanghai, Beijing, or you mean? No, I
1: mean, you uh, know, uh, would these still be uh, VCs, or we started talking with uh, angels, or I mean, because uh, you you just mentioned that state-owned would be more prob- problematic. This example,
2: yes, yes, um, yes, and because they have done so many, you know, dubious transactions in the past, uh, it is only justice that they be under more scrutiny. So. Uh, it's almost a rhetorical question. I already have the answer.
1: Okay, so, so no more no more government money. It's private money now.
2: I, I, I didn't say that. I said they would be <laughs> under scrutiny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a real journalist, Shlomo. Huh? <laughs>
0: He's getting good at you're this. You're
2: making your guess uh, you
1: know, down journalism.
2: of their own, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what they're just saying. It's perfect. No problem. No problem at all. I'm just joking. Um, so where are the best places to raise money from, uh, you know, Chinese? Um, You and I and Michael, we come from the VC and tech ecosystem. So that ecosystem has a lot of, uh, you know, examples of uh, investment fund, GPs, you know, general partners, venture capitalists from China going overseas, setting up cross-border operations with an office in the U.S., with an office in China, uh, JV funds, you know, also with Israel and and uh, with the U.S. So this is not going to change. So if you're a U.S. company um, and you're looking for funding because you think that the Chinese market is, um, you know, is a good market for you and obviously if you're a U.S. company, uh, then you just go knock on the door of, you know, your local VC and China, U.S. cross-border venture capitalists like, uh, you know, GGV and, uh, and others. So uh, I don't think that, you know, in the venture capital industry or private equity, I don't think things will be very different. Mm-hmm. The difference will be seen, again, I'm going back to what I said earlier, when you will see acquisitions. So raising capital, you know, especially for you know minority investment uh, in, the, in, in this very uh, specific industry that is venture venture capital and tech um, is relatively unchanged. Then what is changed is you know are uh, Chinese VCs investing less or more than last year? this is another debate, and we can have it eventually. Uh, our valuations going going up or down where, where is the best place to do it? Uh, mm-hmm. Not the topic of the podcast, but we can we can discuss it. Uh, no, I, I think the um, the changes are going to be seen, and I can see the impact already on my own business is merger and acquisitions. So um, you, you see a Chinese company, um, private or uh, or state owned. You know, private could be, could mean uh, private and listed, uh, private completely private uh, or state owned company, and um, a lot of these transactions require. The assistant of a bank loans, um, so Chinese banks they are they have a checklist of uh, and restrictions um, when they um, they provide loans to um, uh, to Chinese companies going overseas, and uh, they are the ones that are actually very much under scrutiny. So we will see, and we are seeing already um, a depletion uh, if that word that word exists of the number of transactions that uh, is going to be conducted between China and overseas as far as m are concerned. Um, I'm not too worried about what we call small cap below uh, 50 to 100 million uh, because, again, the target of the scrutiny of uh, the central government, Chinese central government, is transactions above 100 million, 200 million, and especially the much larger transaction above 5 and 10 billion. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm referring to uh, the purported acquisition by Camp China of Syngenta uh, uh, and, uh, and transactions. So um, so these are the ones that are going to impact. And trickling down, you know, when you have this level of um, uh, doubt uh, in Chinese investors and difficulty when they want to conduct an overseas M&A, uh, then it goes, you know, on. It, it is obvious that um, that if the trust factor is not there anymore, uh, lo- a smaller transactions little by little are gonna be impacted by well, this is too complicated and we had issues with that transaction. so we think we're gonna have issues on, on this one as- and uh, well let's wait for now let's see the new um, the new regulations or uh, so you will see much sounder transactions uh that spend more time more due diligence uh with a m- much better pool of investors when i say better pool of investors that means outside, uh and, and not uh, not pr we do see uh, uh classic uh, outbound MA. uh and i'm less worried about um uh, venture capital and, uh, and and so on especially if it's done at a very small small level in terms of the size of the transaction Again, this is my view. Uh, not everybody shares that, but uh, my business is being impacted by uh, the general uh, sentiment about uh, controlling and monitoring China outbound uh, acquisitions, which is, by the way, also um, uh, a, a factor of uh, a matter of worry. For the targets and um, the local authority, I'm talking about France, the U.S., Germany, and and others that have seen so many so big uh, investors from China investing overseas, uh, and are worried about uh, having their you know best assets being acquired by China. So on one hand, China is worried about money laundering and uh, uh, investments that are not going uh, that are not sound, and on the other hand, you know going the same direction but for different reasons, um you know lo- local you know countries that are putting restrictions on the chinese on certain type of investments because they are worried that uh you know the assets that are being acquired is is uh, is too strategic you know what is strategic is it a uh, you know a football a soccer club is it um a movie studio is it something else because in the same to the same sentiment that uh, they're going to be uh they're going to a, a uh, reduction in my opinion in the number and in the size of transactions uh going forward in uh, 2017
0: uh, very great very okay. fascinating we're gonna think i know we're over time and we're all busy people especially you so how can people find you online and uh and uh you know keep up to date with what's happening in your in your world
2: sure uh, i'm accessible on linkedin uh wechat um and uh an email, um, reach about Ben said at, uh, fastmail.fm to, you know, to make it easier. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, um, you know, I usually uh, respond uh, within uh, a few hours, if not a few days, but, uh, yeah, we're all busy. And, uh, I, I can understand also you guys are, you know, have to deal with a lot of, uh, editing on the podcast in general. So I really appreciate also what, uh, you guys are doing to, uh, you know to evangelize and uh, and to help people understand what uh, b- doing business in China means yeah. on a very yeah. practical <laughs> level. Uh, so uh, I I uh, I salute you for doing this because this is this is very difficult.
0: Great, well, thank you very much. We enjoy it. I mean, Shlomo's becoming a pro journalist here, so.
2: <laughs> oh, I can see that.
0: I yeah, he's getting good, huh? <laughs> His
2: level of uh, challenges and uh, and uh, and tactics during the interview was uh, staggering. So I. <laughs> I, I should actually also, uh, you know, uh, uh, make sure that uh, I uh, I pre-record my own answers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I should, think I should stop at... the recording because of all this uh, <laughs> chit-chat. No problem,
2: Shlomo, no problem, Shlomo. Anyway, I, okay. <laughs> we're all friends here, so no, no worries.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno, great having you, really.
0: Thank you, Michael. Okay, Thank you,
1: thanks. Thanks. Take care. Enjoy <laughs> your day. Okay, cheers. Cheers.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Doing business in China is a complex world you can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Businesscast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.